Hello, friends. Welcome to the Logistics of Logistics podcast. My name is Joe Lynch. Thank you so much for joining us today. On the Logistics of Logistics, I talk to experts in logistics and transportation, warehousing, fulfillment, supply chain, and of course, technology. And during these interviews, I'm always the one asking the dumb questions. I ask the dumb questions so you don't have to. Today's topic is what drivers want with my friend Ashley Thomas. So Ashley Thomas is a top-notch truck driver recruiter. And in today's episode, she explains what truck drivers really want. And she knows better than anyone because she's been very successful in this business. We have a business that is dependent on these truck drivers, and we have always a shortage Shortage isn't because we don't train enough. The shortage is because it's a really tough job. We have a lot of people who are trained who no longer work in the space. So in today's episode, you'll learn about what truck drivers really want. Also, you'll learn a little bit about Ashley Thomas. She had a really difficult childhood, and she overcame that difficult childhood to become very, very successful in our space. So how's it going, Ashley? It is going amazing, Joe. How are you feeling today? Doing great, doing great. So please introduce yourself and your company and where you're calling from today. Yeah, so my name is Ashley Thomas. I am the founder of Supreme Driver Recruiting. We are stationed out of uh, Arlington, Texas. First Black woman-owned call center in the United States of America. And we uh, assist small, large, and medium-sized trucking companies with qualified drivers and reliable owner-operators to grow their so where's Arlington at? That is right in between Dallas and Fort Worth in the middle. Got it. Got it. But guys, I did a podcast not so long ago and it was about Texas. And it's funny when you look at Texas, how significant it is. And you look at, talk about NFL cities, you've got Dallas, Houston, San, Ant- San Antonio. I don't think I have a football team, but big league cities for sure. And that's not counting Fort Worth that it seems to be just Dallas, Fort Worth. And it doesn't count places like Austin. I think there's like 20 some cities that are in the top 100 cities for population in America. It's crazy. Yeah. I just, I joked with you before we hit record. I feel like we're all going to have to move to Texas. I'm, I, I don't want to move. I like it where I live, but I feel like we're all just being sucked into Texas. Anyway. So Supreme Driver Recruiting, you work with medium and large carriers, and you said you also do some work with small, smaller carriers too? Yes, we, we do assist small carriers. So our, we specialize in lead generation as well. We do the lead generation, especially for the smaller carriers now, because right now uh, recruiting agencies are charging anywhere from $3,000 to $8,000 for one single driver placement right now, Right. So we do this so that for that first month, they can get 30 to 40 plus exclusive leads, drivers who are ready to interview with their company for one price for that month. And if they have one driver that they hire quit, then boom, they don't have to go back and spend another recruiting fee. You know, they just go back to their exclusive pipeline and hire from there. So for like the larger carriers, the your your medium and large carriers, they're they're willing to pay three to eight thousand dollars for a placement? Yes, they are. But a lot of the carriers are switching. We switched our business model to mainly the lead generation and then also the uh, revenue share model when it comes down to owner operators. We're doing this because it's more cost effective because the market is not the the best. We all know that right now. So we want it to be cost efficient and help them grow at the same time without breaking the bank. Yeah. And 
so how does this work if I have paid, let's just say, I'll just pick a n- number in the middle, $5,500 for somebody, maybe you, okay. to go get me a driver and he shows up and he's great and he does a good job. And then like a month later, he's like, I'm out. I found a better deal. They got to pay another another $5,500? Yes. And that's how the that's how all of our competition works right now as far as just the straight standard recruiting. That's why we've shifted our business model to more of a lead generation because we don't want that to happen. Yeah. That's got to be hard to make. That's got to be really hard for you as a salesperson to go, hey, Joe, this... This is Ashley. I guess that driver quit. Let me get you another one for another $5,500. I'm like, yeah, great, Ashley. I'm real excited to talk to you mm-hmm. again. <laughs> and see what we had to do to kind of crush our competitors. No one was giving these companies like a 30-day guarantee. You know what I mean? So if a driver quit in 30 days, they would be like, okay, hey, it's another 5500 bucks. You know, we know you made your money back with those loads, so you have to pay again. When we were at that business model, you know, we would give them a 30-day guarantee. Hey, if that driver quits on you within that time time frame, we'll replace them for free at no cost. I remember talking to some friends who own a, um, they used to own a carrier. They sold the asset part of the business. And they've told me, they go, we work really, really hard to keep our drivers and we've got a pretty good record. But they go, sometimes there's a certain segment of the driving population that just loves the idea of being independent and they quit because it's deer season in Michigan. So I'm out. I'm going up north hunting. I'll, I'll call you back when I come home. And they said it's almost like they go, they're like modern day cowboys in in that i don't say that in a negative way but wanting their freedom wanting their independence yeah and they said so quitting is like almost like part of the deal like and they said and it makes it really hard to build a team that we can keep together and they go it's not like we fired them or they hated us or anything it was just like nope going hunting i'll call you back in six weeks when yeah your season's over. yeah and, and i mean company that's why you have to have Quality leads always coming in as a medium and large size trucking company. If you have all these trucks, you always have to have quality leads pouring in. So that's why we switched to that business model. So they're not breaking the bank and they always have quality leads. So if a driver quits, they can get that truck back full within 48 to 72 hours. So that's 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 how we push our carry. So let's talk a little bit about you. You have a very interesting background. (laughs) So tell me a little bit about you, where you grew up. Give us some career highlights before you started Supreme Driver Recruiting. Okay, I sure will. I grew up, well, first of all, my mom, uh, she she dropped dropped me off at my great grandmother's house at nine months on the porch, rang the doorbell and never, never came back. Okay. So boom, here's Ashley. (laughs) So not exactly a good start. So yeah, people look at me now and I'm like, yeah, this is great. God is great, but it didn't always start off like this, you know? So if anybody, if I can do this, you know, anybody can can be successful. Um, So from there, my great grandmother raised me. I went to school at private school. I went to school to up to ninth grade. I dropped out in the ninth grade. Um, I was very rebellious. I've always been like a badass. So I was very rebellious, you know, and I wanted to know where my mom is. And, you know, as a teen, you get kind of curious you know why doesn't my mom want me where's my dad you know all that kind of crazy yeah where was grandma yeah well grandma oh grandma yeah because it was great granny then grandma then my mom but uh grandma was living her life too you know she was just living her life so I was raised by her mom 
And so wow. there, I got really curious to find my mother. And my mother was on drugs, crack cocaine really bad. And I set out to, I ran away from home uh, with my great grandmother. And I just set out to like find my mom, you know. I found her in a sleazy motel. I found her in Fort Worth. I can't remember exactly who led me to her. I know I ran away and I was just asking certain people like in the hood, you know, do you know this lady? And so from there, I found her. Long story short, I started, I, I knew I had to make some money. My mom didn't have any money. She would leave out of the hotel to, to pay for it, to make money to pay for her $35 a night hotel or whatever, you know? So I start rummaging through her stuff. I was like, listen, it, it has to be an answer in here. It has to be an answer of some kind of way I can make money because I'm going to have to take care of myself. So I found this magazine and it's like, it was like a magazine that used to be like in the strip clubs, right? They give you like this little green sheet magazine or whatever. <laughs> yeah. I think every, 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 yeah, it's the nightlife magazines kind of like, I forgot what they call it around here, but you see it. You see it when you're in certain areas. Yeah, certain areas, right? So I picked that magazine up. I didn't know what the hell it was, you know? So I'm looking through it, looking for an answer. I'm 13 years old. So I look through it and I see something that says, hey, young girls, you want to go out with some gentlemen, older gentlemen to make money by going to dinner with them, you know, apply now, apply now, apply now, right? So I call the number and probably 45 minutes to an hour, there was a young lady in a black beautiful drop top Corvette. Um, and she picked me up. Starts starts nice. <laughs> yeah. So long story short, I, I she took me where the other girls was. So there it was. I fell into the hands of a pimp at the age of 13, ran away from him at 14. And yeah, stripped from 14 to 21. And from from then on, you can say I was in sales from 13. You must have a fake ID to do that, huh? I, I'm kind of thinking maybe they're not the most reputable organizations. They aren't checking the IDs quite as much as they need to. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, that, that is not the normal route to truck driving and truck <laughs> truck driver recruiting. So how, what was next? How'd you, how'd you end up in our biz? So I, I met this guy and he's like, look, you know, I'm 21 at the time, 21 or 22 or something like that. I met this guy and, and, and I fell in love with him. He's like, Ashley, you can't strip anymore you just we're not doing this you know if you want to be with me you got to be presentable and you have to you know straighten up you know so from there on I wanted to be I wanted to you know be with him so he helped me find a job first he helped me find a job selling air conditioners and solar panels so obviously my sales skills from 13 to 21 was already kind of you know (laughs) different sales skills (laughs) perfected so from there, uh, then he found me another job selling home security and I stayed there for five years. And then I had a friend of mine come and he says, hey, Ashley, let's let's buy a truck. You know, I don't I don't know if I had something across my forehead that says, hey, a uh, future trucker or whatever, you know, but he, he presented that. And um, I took the idea to my landlord and my great grandmother and they put the money up twelve thousand five hundred dollars for us to get a truck. Really? So you when would you when did you buy that truck? We bought the truck in 2017 of August. It was a Freightliner Cascadia with 30,000 miles on it. So were you going to drive it yourself or were you going to get higher drivers? What was the plan? No. So in the process of us closing on the truck, you know, we were given, they were given a shit because they're like, nobody has a CDL. Yeah, y'all have the money, but you don't have a CDL. 
um, you guys, just, you know, we had a we set out to get a contract first because you have to have that letter, you know, to be able to go ahead and get the truck so they know that the truck is going to go to work and you can pay the note on it. So from there, uh, I already went on Indeed and Craigslist. I was at my job selling home security, but also sneaking on online, posting, you know, job postings on Indeed, Craigslist, ZipRecruiter, CareerBuilder, you know, all the all that jazz. And I couldn't find any drivers worth beans. Couldn't find any. And that's the that's a lot of companies right now are still behind and don't realize the technology has picked up. And that's kind of the old way to lose a lot of money and get no results. So you started the trucking company. When did you switch gears and become a recruiter? So when I finally found the truck or finally found the driver, we went to like an unemployment office or something because the job boards weren't working. So they give us a driver, right? We're thinking this guy. Now, guys, remember, I did not. This is my first rodeo. I didn't check the MBR, PSP, nothing. I didn't check. What are those for those who are not in the day-to-day of that? Pre-employment screening. And then also the um, the motor vehicle. Report. Is that drug testing? The pre-employment, um, it shows you, the PSP shows you what other companies are saying about them. And then on the NVR report is your motor vehicle report. We can see if they've had accidents, you know, tickets, stuff like that. So I didn't check any of that. None of it. No. What about tr- drug testing? Did Was that a thing? Uh, it wasn't a thing for me. <laughs> it wasn't a thing for me. So do not. Yeah, yeah. That, you were not a professional recruiter. You were learning the biz at that point. Exactly. So with me failing to do those, the proper things to onboarding a driver, the driver you know, got in the truck from the car lot when we finally closed on it, drove the truck. He was supposed to go to orientation in uh, Odessa in Midland, and he never he never made it. So he stole, stole the truck brand new off the lot. Nice start to the business. <laughs> it was a nightmare. <laughs> so how long until you decided, I don't want to do the trucking business, I'm going to do the driver recruiting business? Well, once we got the truck back, we got the truck back. So we put another driver, obviously, in that truck. He started in the oil field and the owner of the MSA, which is the oil field contract, he had 50 trucks and he could see every time I had a driver quit, I would have another driver back in there 24 to 48 hours, you know, because I'm I'm in sales. So I figured out how to always keep drivers and now I'm running MBRs and PSP reports and everything. So he's like, you know, who the hell is this girl? And every time her truck goes down, she has somebody back in it. Like he had over 30 trucks sitting because he couldn't find drivers. He only had 20 trucks running. And he's like, look, I need your help. Can I hire you? I will let you uh, lease your truck on for only 10%. And back then it was companies were charging 25% for other companies to lease on and run under their authority. So he's like, listen, I'll pay you a salary of 50 grand and you can run your trucks under me for 10%. And then voila, that's how I got into the driver recruiting industry. Yeah. And by the way, this is a happy ending from where you started for sure. And you're not done yet. You're still a young lady. So you the way we got connected, I, I don't know why how we weren't connected already because I feel like I'm connected to everybody on LinkedIn. But I saw you were giving your great grandma, she's still with us. Yes. You were giving her a check for like one million dollars. So <laughs> I don't write a lot of million dollar checks. So tell me how, how did how did this come about? What was this what why why was I seeing this on LinkedIn? 
you know, it's just that's that's one of the things that my great grandmother, she grew up a sharecropper's daughter. You know what I mean? She picked cotton like that's, that's not a good job. No, she was born in 1931. OK. And so her she's worked so hard. All, you know, she she left from, retired from General Motors. So she's always just busted her ass, you know, and her dream was to have her goal. She wanted a million dollars in her bank account. And so I made it my business to make that happen. So she will be able to cash that check this year. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And also you told me that you got a book about your story. So tell me a little bit about that before we get into what drivers want. Yeah. Yeah. So my book is uh, called Divorce in the Game. It's found on Amazon. It's about my journey from the stripper pole to owning a million dollar trucking business. Um, it has a lot of scripture in there um, and it, it tells about from when I was a little girl dropped off and how God had his hand on me through the whole time um, and how God develops me, how I got saved and just how he he's just pushing me and making my wildest dreams come through. But the book, the, the main reason I wrote the book is to reach the masses, you know, to let them know, hey, this if God can do this for me, he damn sure can do it for you and make sure that, you know, you're good to go. You just have to trust them. So it's about people that's been in the trenches. Yeah. And it's funny, before we hit record, I was saying this to you. Every time I see like a young person pass away, and usually it's an accident or drugs, sometimes suicide, whatever it might be, I think of all the stupid things me and my friends did. So when I get together with my friends, we all have kids now, and all of them are young adults. And I say, all the things, stupid stuff we did, why didn't we die? I mean, not that we were doing, um, it was stupid stuff. I'll just leave it at that. And <laughs> We all made it. And, it, and yeah. we were all from nice families. We had most advantages that most people would be delighted to have. But it just make you wonder what's, uh, what's out there beyond us. But anyway, great story. I'm glad uh, your inspirational story. And you said this is going to be made into a movie, right? It is. We start filming in June. Uh, the emotions that I have about this are like all over the place. So, but the main thing is I'm grateful. Like it's, my life story and a actor is going to be playing Ashley. There's going to be a little Ashley. It's, it's, it's going to be amazing. So just to envision it like on a big screen is just beyond me right now. I'm available for extra opportunities now. <laughs> I kind of see myself as a fatter, uglier George Clooney. <laughs> We're about the same age. <laughs> oh my goodness. We have that in common. <laughs> anyway, so let's talk a little bit about what, what drivers want. So I love your story. And uh, I'll put a link to your book in the show notes so people can reach out and read that. So we were talking before we hit record. Drivers, drivers want, they, there's a certain breed of guy who wants to drive those trucks. And it is not an easy job. And it is still mostly men. So I wanted to talk about what do drivers want? And then also talk about I know you're also closely aligned with some of these organizations that do um, women trucking. So talk a little bit about what drivers want. How do we get more women into the space? How do we also get drivers to come on board and stay on board? What makes them happy? So what do they want? That's a good one. Well, first, number one out, you know, out the gate is the person that they talk to on the phone first. And usually nine times out of 10, that's the recruiter. 
Okay, so the recruiter at these companies, these companies have to make sure their recruiters are being brutally honest about the pay and the home time and also about the equipment that the drivers are going to be in. You know, they deserve to be because this is the the drivers are interviewing the companies as well. So the recruiters kind of have it backwards and think they're the ones doing the, the you know, the interviewing. But nine times out of 10, it's the, it's the driver that's interviewing the company because there's endless opportunities out there right now so number one recruiters have to be honored yeah i gotta tell you i i spent my early part of my career as a designer draftsman and we were contracts so we were always jumping to the next job i had jobs for six weeks i quit moved down the street for like a buck more an hour but recruiters got to the place where they lied all the time about stuff and i remember i got a job i was i was going to school at night and they said it's 45 hours a week nine hours a day no overtime on saturdays so i'm, I'm like time and a half after 40 i'm like perfect i work 45 hours i got classes at night i got the job the first day and like at the company that they assigned me to and they the guy the boss said you're late we start at six o'clock and i was like oh i thought we worked from seven till right 4 30 and he goes we did when we worked 45 hours now we work 68 hours and oh, i was like no, 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 no. see that that's the kind of crap yeah and then and then he said and, and no talking in the drafting room and i said what's my phone number here he's like no phone calls allowed in or out oh, no. i'm like i'm like thinking dude i i might as well quit right now <laughs> uh, me, me and my big mouth to sit here for 68 hours a week and not talk to anyone not be able to make a phone call to anybody and I remember thinking they did that all the time to you to get you in there. And then you get there and it's like, what do you think? I'm not going to notice that I'm working an extra 23 hours every week. <laughs> I notice. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a stupid thing. It's a short, it's a short sighted way to get somebody on board is to lie about the job. Yep. That's, that's absolutely correct. So that's number one, trustworthy recruiters. Number two, scheduled home time does not need to be compromised. If you tell these drivers, hey, you know, this is your home time. This is your schedule. You know, by the time it's, you know, time for the driver to get off and take off for his home time, you shouldn't be calling him an hour before and saying, hey, well, I just need you to run this, run this last load, you know, from here to Kansas. You, you know what I mean? So I know that a lot of drivers leave as well due to that. Yeah. And I think we people listening to this podcast, we are part of this day to day. And we understand that when that driver gets there to pick something up, if it's not ready, that that's a problem. But I don't think we recognize that that also leads to drivers quitting. Because if he says, I want to be home Friday afternoon and spend the weekend with my family, and I'm constantly getting pushed out to Saturday morning because I show up and they're ready to load me or when I'm supposed to unload, they say, sit in the parking lot for three hours. I say this all the time. It's, it's, we call it, well, scheduling's hard. It's disrespectful. If you drove from Texas to my house and I said, oh, Ashley, you call and say, hey, Joe, I'm here. We'll go to lunch. I go, yeah, actually, I just got to send a few emails. I'm going to take a shower and then uh, I'll come out. He'd be like, screw you. I hate your guts, man. <laughs> like, we're not having lunch now. Like, that's the, we do that to drivers on a regular basis. And again, I understand how it can happen, but the best companies are working to make sure that when the driver gets there, we unload them. And when they get there, 
load them. And I know we're doing more drop and hook. How does that work into this? Well, we have a lot of companies that actually do drop and hook. The, the drivers seem to be happy with that. A lot of the drivers, when we were just doing the, you know, the one-on-one -on -one recruiting, a lot of drivers would say, is it drop and hook or is it power only? You know, how are we doing this? But it seems like the drivers actually like that because they don't have to wait around. So for those of you who are not familiar with drop and hook is it's Imagine that you take your 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 tr tractor and you go to a location and the trailer is already loaded. And so all you got to do is hook up and then drive it. So somebody said the other day to me that it's the, the difference between, you know, two, three hours to load live sometimes. And then you drive it, you just unhook and we can be much better to schedule be better for drivers. I think most drivers are probably loving that because that's a half hour max, right? Yep. Yep. They hate that live load stuff right now. But you know, you know, some of the truckers, they, they don't mind it. But you know, the majority of these millennials that's coming in, yeah, they're always asking that. Is it dropping hook? Is it dropping hook? Yep. So they want to be told the truth. I don't know why, but, and they also want to be home more. And again, that gets back to how we're scheduling them. So when, when there's a carrier that says, hey, we had some bias quit, we, most of the people listening to this podcast would say, well, they just can't keep their people happy. We all, everyone in this industry owns this. The Walmarts of it, I mean, I'm not criticizing them. They're just a big shipper. Uh -huh. Walmart, General Motors, Ford, Costco, everybody who's not loading them. And again, those are all fine companies, not putting anyone down. And all the all the intermediaries in between, when we don't do right by the drivers. And again, it could be, usually is, and not on purpose, but it doesn't change the fact that that guy doesn't get home. He misses his kid's game. He misses his wife's birthday. He doesn't get to go out with his friends that night. Yep. And we do that too often. And that leads to quitting. Absolutely. The third thing I would talk about is good equipment and clean equipment. Really? Now, so we, we have still not said money here yet, guys. We've talked about don't lie to them. Yes. Right? Home home more. Get me my schedule. And now what, number three is equipment. We'll talk about equipment. Yes. You want, we've had a lot of carriers that we get a driver there, you know, and, and this is when we were doing just the one-off recruiting, you know. We would have a driver get there, and he sends us photos of a nasty-ass mattress, just stuff everywhere, okay? Dirt everywhere. Oh, he's supposed to sleep on that that night. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and then they're like, well, the driver left and said he didn't want the position. And I say, well, did you see these photos? Would you sleep in your truck? So at this point, no, we cannot get you another driver because you wasted this driver's time after he flew in for the position. Yeah, I, I'm not, I never was a truck driver, but there was like these six wheeled vehicles. And a friend of a friend said, hey, Joe, would you fly to Chicago, take a cab to this dealership and drive these home? Detroit, I think it's four and a half hours. But it snowed like crazy. So the flight over there was like a lot of turbulence. <laughs> a lot of turbulence was scared us to death. And they always said, we might have a rough landing. I was like, we're over Lake Michigan, man. Like rough landing. <laughs> like, <laughs> that, that, we're at the bottom of the lake. But anyway, finally got there, took the cab. And they told me, it'll be all gassed up. Oh, gosh. It's beautiful, brand new truck. You just drive it six wheels. Drive it back to Detroit. I got there. It's not ready. We had to jump. I had to help them jump the truck in this parking lot, eight inches of snow. 
when we finally got it started, because it was just, it was new, but it was sitting. Uh-huh. No radio and the heater didn't work. And I, in the middle of winter, I got to drive all the way back to Detroit with no radio. And it wasn't four and a half hours, like eight and a half hours because of the snow. And I was thinking, I don't have, I was young then. I'm thinking, I have no idea how somebody could be a truck driver. It makes no sense because it's like, is this your life? I mean, that was horrible. And by the way, when, since I was late, I was calling a guy saying, hey, I was supposed to be at your dealership but, uh, by this time. There's no way. And he's like, he called me every name in the book. I'm thinking, well, are, are you serious? There's like eight inches of snow on the ground. I'm like going 25 miles an hour on the expressway. And he's yelling at me. It's the conditions. The conditions have to be, I tell, I tell companies, hey, and, and, you know, I've turned down a $28 million deal before, you know, because they did I have not. not. <laughs> I've turned down a $28 million deal because, you know, their, their equipment, it, it just wasn't, you know, it, my thing is this, if you wouldn't sleep in it, don't expect the driver to sleep. This is another thing in my mind, that's just disrespect. It's acting like you're not the same as me. You will put up with crap that I never would. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And now we get down to the pay. <laughs> well, that's number four. See, now I'm that's surprising because I think if you ask most people, they would say pay is the biggest, cons- biggest issue. But it doesn't trump all this other stuff. Yeah, yeah. It, drivers, a lot of drivers don't leave because of pay. A lot of drivers leave because of the conditions. Now, pay, obviously, it needs to be promised pay, you know, and there does not need to be a whole bunch of deductions, you know, from the driver pay, like a lot of these small carriers, you know, a tire will blow out and they want to take it out of the driver's pay. And in result, the driver says, screw you. And he goes down the street to Bob and Jill's logistics. So yeah, pay needs to be. I would go down the street after I stopped by. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Pay, pay needs to Get be- my money back. <laughs> yes. Pay needs to be promised. The promised pay needs to be delivered. You know, no ifs, ands, or buts about it. I was talking to a driver, this is a few years ago, and he said, I worked for a small company and they said they would have a backhaul for me. And then the backhaul fell through and they're like, okay, just wait till morning. We'll get something for you. And it's like, well, that wasn't the plan. They're like, that's all right. Just sleep in the, sleep in the truck. He's like, why don't you get me get me a motel? This isn't a this isn't there's no sleeping facility in this vehicle. Yeah, and it was their truck, and they're like, "You'll you'll be fine." It's just, and he's so he says, "So I had to pay on my own pocket for the motel to spend the night," and then they're telling me what a great deal I have. He goes, "They they nickel and dime." He goes, "And did they pay for me to eat there?" No, they're like, "Well, it's really not in the in the." So he goes, "You rip me off at every turn," and then and then they ask me. And again, they, there's always things that can come up. And I do not want to be ripped off because there was some unintended consequence. That's the business owner's problem, not mine. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so a lot of a lot of drivers leave because of because of things like that. You have to take care of your driver. He's not just a number. You know, this this person is a vital part of your business. If you don't have a driver, you have no business. I need carriers to completely understand that before they treat a driver like shit. Yeah. I was talking to um, a driver, uh, I think it's the last Dean Key. He's over at Ruan Trucking. Well, he's been there for a long time. Yeah, and he Ruan. said, he goes, he goes, the reason I'm here for a long time is because the way they treat me. And by the way, this also gets into on-time performance and safety and damage to 
our goods. So if people think that you can disrespect a person and then say, yeah, but I need you to be on time and I need you to make sure that you, you help, that this stuff is all not damaged. They're like, what, what have you done to me other than lie to me about the truck, exactly. nickel and dime me on the pay, and then I'm supposed to be upright and upstanding. I'll be down the street. I don't care about working with you. Yep. That's right. That's, that's absolutely right. That's, that's, that's right. So it, it just, in, in the last, in the last thing, well, you pretty much said it, it's, it's respect. It's respect, you know, respect my time, respect the days that, you know, don't ask me if I've already put on the calendar and asked the operations manager, Hey, my son's baseball game is this day. I'm, I'm requesting this, this day off, you know, because you know, my wife, I'm getting married or whatever, you know what I mean? And you know, it's total, it's, it's approved. And then when there's, they're short on drivers and this driver has been doing what he needed, needs to do, it's total disregard to what's already been approved and basically what's important to him. And that will lose, that, that that's the fastest way as well to lose a driver. I heard, and you correct me if I'm wrong, somebody said to me that drivers will take like a, even like less per mile to go to some locations like, uh, and I seem to think they said a Walmart location where they got there and there's a shower and there's Wi-Fi and a couch and a refrigerator with some, some soft drinks, TV. And you go, Hey, while they're unloading you, you can go in and chill, take a shower if you need one. And they were saying, and by the way, if I drove eight hours or 10 hours across somewhere, I need that. I need to get out. I need to be able to get some Wi-Fi and and take a shower. And I was talking to somebody just before COVID and I was helping them select a 3PL and I was talking to their vice president of logistics. And I said, could you do that at some of your locations? And he said, you know, we have to consider it. And And somebody suggested, if you can't do it right away, that's fine. But could you give them and say, hey, we're not going to unload you right away, but here's a card, a gift, gift card, go down the street and there's a truck stop that has a shower, grab yourself a meal, grab a shower if you want, relax, and we'll call you up and when we're going to unload you. You don't have to sit in a parking lot after you drove eight hours. Yeah. It's, it's not, it's, we wouldn't do it to anybody else. That's how I feel about yeah. it. Yeah. That's compassion and consideration of the people that's, basically fueling your business. Now, have you heard that? People say that's a real attractive I have not lane? heard about I think that's awesome. No driver has ever just brought that up to me, but I think that's absolutely amazing. Because if you make my life easier and say, hey, look, it's just the little things. Like yeah. I got there and they said, rather than go park over there. Yeah. <laughs> and don't bug us for three yeah. hours. If you can tell me, hey, I'll call you in in an hour or so when we're ready. Sorry, we're running late. Go grab a meal, relax. Yeah, means a lot. Be refreshed when you come back. Yeah, it's just the little things. Goes a long way for sure. Anyway, so I want to wrap this bad boy up. So I'm going to summarize, then I want to kind of get your final thoughts on this. So the name of the podcast, again, is What Drivers Want with my friend Ashley Thomas. Ashley, in your experience, what drivers want, and this is kind of in your order, which I surprised me a little bit, is first off, the recruiter has to they have to they have to get along with that recruiter. They have to believe that that recruiter is someone they can trust. So they want to know, like, and trust that recruiter. So recruiters matter. And if you 
can't keep your word, then you're not going to be a, a good recruiter. So that's number one. It starts with the recruiter and the company. Don't lie to me. Number two is they want to be home more. And we all want to be home more. Most of us work from home. Look how spoiled most of us are. It's what they want and they're going to get it. If you don't want to give it to them, someone else will give it to them. And a lot of this, I think, comes back to drop and hook. So I think if you, you can look and say, do I have freight that can be drop and hook? Number three we talked about is equipment. You can't give them junky, dirty equipment. And with a crap radio, and I'm sure there's a lot of things that they would know that I wouldn't. But that equipment has to be in good shape. Number That's number three. Number four is more money. More money, more money, more money. Which is surprising that it's number four. But I get it. Number five, respect. Yeah. And you said before we hit record, you said make them family, not just a number. And again, I think all these other ones, the things we do that are disrespectful, you know, every once in a while, like there's that carrier week, carrier appreciation week, and everybody on LinkedIn puts up, we appreciate our drivers. We love our drivers. So I do know there's awareness that we have a driver shortage. And the reason we have a driver shortage is these are guys who have options. A lot of times I find out that they're working construction. They might be a plumber. They might be any number of jobs that they can go to. If you don't treat them right, they'll go back to that job. When rates are high, they're back in the biz, but otherwise they're back doing something they want to do. I also know we are losing drivers to the warehouses they deliver to. I've heard that. And you think about it, that driver says, hey, what are you guys getting paid here? Why am I driving driving and coming home late every night if I can be here and go home at the same time every night? And we need people in those warehouses. Warehousing and filming's a hot biz. Wow. Yikes. So final thoughts. My final thoughts. Hmm. My final thoughts are, you know, if, if you're if you're a trucking company that uh, that wants to grow, the moral of the story is keep keep your drivers, you know, keep keep your drivers happy. You know, I'm not saying uh, break the bank and make bad. That's not what I'm saying. But, you know, try your best to be fair and and. And as far as owner operators, because we we specialize in in growing fleets with reliable owner owner operators for a, a rev share, so kind of like a partnership with a trucking company. Make sure that you're not lying to the owner operators either. You know, when owner operators lease onto the to a company, they nine times out of ten do not want spot freight because they can get a dispatcher themselves to do that. They want stability. They want to get paid uh, the right percentage. And they want to know that a company has their back. And because when you're leasing on owner operators, that is a partnership. So we did not cover that very much. So what is the difference between an owner operator and a regular driver? So a company driver, that's like if I have my own truck and I just need a, a person with a CDL. If I'm looking for to expand my fleet, if I only have two trucks and I need 10 trucks to go get this dedicated freight or this dedicated lane, I would want to hire on other owner operators, eight more owner operators with, and that's a driver with their own truck that wants to yep. lease on and become a part of my, my company, trucking company. So now I have 10 trucks and I can go get these contracts. So from what I understand, a lot of trucking companies want to grow with owner operators. And the reason is because they don't have to go buy their own trucks and they don't have to worry about paying the driver or nothing. Like it's, they have no liability for that truck. It's it's just 
it's a great thing. They can go get contracts and they're basically getting a percentage of what those trusts do. So they're getting free money if they charge 30, 10 to 25% of, you know, the gross of what those trucks make. Yeah. But let's face it, owner operators have probably have even more options than regular drivers. So all of what we talked about applies yeah. to them also. So what percentage over at uh, Supreme Driver Recruiting, what percentage of the people you're working with are owner operators versus drivers? company drivers also. about 90 percent because th- that's our main that's our bread and butter we we partner with trucking companies to help them add on reliable owner operators so they can scale their business so we come in as a revenue share partner we have a free offer this month for all of our new carriers and we're only able to take five new carriers per month because of the demand being so high of companies wanting owner operators right so with that we have free offer the only thing that the companies pay for the first month is their advertising spend there's no marketing fees associated with that and each owner operator that we send over we require a 2.5 percent revenue share for the longevity that the owner operator is at that company so it's a you pay us as you make money you don't pay us 10 grand up front for an owner operator you pay us as you make money we're a partner in your success damn that's why you can write a million dollar check to your great grandma (laughs) (laughs) well it sounds like you're doing a good job i mean it's it's like anything else in this business, we all need partners, whether it's a technology partner or a carrier partner or an owner-operator partner, recruiting partner. This is a business that requires partnerships. And again, I think probably everything we said just here about respect and treating your treating your partners like a partner is critically important. And I think you know we do a pretty good job. I think the times when we don't do a good job is when we don't even understand that we're potentially, you know, when something gets delayed and we don't realize, oh, well, that's, there's a real guy who's not going home tonight because this didn't happen. And again, most of us work in the digital world. And if something goes wrong, it doesn't, doesn't change where I sleep tonight. Yeah, that's true. So anyway, I want to wrap this bad boy up. But before I do, I like to interview smart, interesting people like you, who else should I interview? I believe you should interview the brilliant Hope White. She has a brokerage and she is also a carrier and she specializes in dredge and out of Georgia and she is freaking brilliant. You know, I've I've talked to so many people from Atlanta lately and she's at HD dredge. I saw that. So I'm just looked her up. So yes, I will definitely talk to Hope. Hopefully you can introduce me. I don't know her, but Drage is one of those overlooked areas. We don't talk about it enough and not enough people seem to understand the challenges we have with it at different times. So anyway, what I'll do is I'll put a link to your LinkedIn profile and a link to your website and any other links you give me. But do you go to conferences? Will we see you at any conferences? You know, U.S. Express just emailed me and they're like, hey, you coming to Matt's? You know, I have two more days. I might fly down there. Where's that at? That's in uh, Louisville, Kentucky. I also plan on going to 10th Street Conference in April. Where? What is that? The 10th Street Conference. Where's that at? I don't even know what that is. 10th Street? 10th Street is the application that the majority of the carriers use for the drivers to complete the application. Okay. Yeah, so it's going to be a shit ton of carriers there. It's going to be really, really, really nice. 
The last conference, I just I just came from the chat GPT artificial intelligence conference. That was insane. I learned so much, like 99% of the world is like behind on this artificial intelligence and they got to wake up because it's going to be replacing jobs left and right. Not going to be driving trucks yet, but (laughs) (laughs) I I heard a podcast and it was, it was by artificial intelligence. It had Joe Rogan interviewing Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs was never on Joe Rogan's podcast, but they imitated each one of their voices and had this AI Go study both these guys, their vocal, vocal um, intonations. Now there was stuff that you could tell was off, but it was pretty darn close. And I heard the guy who said all the mistakes in here, all the stuff that doesn't sound quite right, they're working on it. So the next iteration. Yeah, they're perfecting it. This shit is about to take over. And I think Elon Musk said artificial intelligence is the the hugest threat to human mankind that we've ever seen. So we'll see. I think it's going to be like the Jetsons in like 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny because you hear so much about it and you know, we, it's hard to figure out what's hype versus what is real. Yeah, We'll know soon, but I I've said this about technology lately and I'm sure I didn't make this up. I read it somewhere, but it's technology tends to go slow, slow, slow. And then it goes really fast. And it reminds me of the, my mobile phones. I remember being at work and I told somebody, I go, I went to the University of Michigan football game this weekend and there was a whole bunch of college kids talking on mobile phones and everybody bursts out laughing because this is the dumbest thing they've ever heard. And I was like, like, they're all like corporate titans. Like, what the hell's going on? And then one guy wasn't laughing and somebody goes, why aren't you laughing? He goes, my kids have mobile phones. He had five kids and four of them had mobile phones there at college. And we we were hooting and hollering and making so much fun of him. Within six months, both my junior high school age daughters had mobile phones. Had mobile so phones. it sounded so stupid. And six months later, my kids had phones. Not college kids, junior high. <laughs> and that's, that's how I feel about uh, that kind of technology like AI, machine learning. It sneaks up on you. <laughs> here, here to stay, I'm telling you. It, it'll happen where somebody's like, well, yeah, we're just going about our business. And then our competitor started doing this. And it seems like they're giving it away for free. And you're like, yes, because AI is doing it. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, it was really a pleasure talking to you. You've got a crazy story, but a happy ending. Hallelujah. And what I'll do is I'll put a link to your book. And if anything about your movie, do you know the name of your movie? Uh, Divorce in the Game. It's based off the book. Okay. And you'll look for an extra part for like a fatter, uglier George Clooney type. (laughs) (laughs) Come on. I did my podcast. (laughs) I enjoyed you. And thank you so much for inviting me on the show. I love what you're doing. Your platform is booming. Keep doing what you're doing. People recognized you. You had to put your head down. That's how you know you're doing the right thing. So just <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I I, t- I told Ashley this. That I saw my friend, our mutual friend, Ramel Watley and um, Blythe Broomleave. I saw Sarah Barnes Humphrey. All of them I saw it manifest. And so, you know, people download my podcast. I know people listen. That's I thank you all for listening. But when I went to manifest, I was like everyone who listens to my podcast is here. And and then like half the people there I interviewed already. So they're like, Hey Joe. I was like, Oh my God, 
I was like, I'm like a star. I'm, a, I'm like a star among these couple hundred logistics guys. <laughs> Ravel was the same way. And uh, same with Blythe. She's, she's probably more recognizable than all of us. But yeah, it was great. I love going to the conferences. So I will be at Manifest next February. You, I should see you there. And thanks so much for being on my podcast. Yes. Thank you very much. I appreciate you. Yep. And thank all of you for listening to my podcast. Your support's very much appreciated. Until next time, onward and upward. You have been listening to the Logistics of Logistics podcast, where we engage with leaders in the logistics and supply chain community. If you like what you hear, please subscribe, hit the like button, and leave us a nice review on Apple or Spotify or wherever else you listen. Also, please check out our videos on YouTube and connect with us on LinkedIn. We're very big on LinkedIn. And you can also reach us on the logisticsoflogistics.com, our website.